0: Today's Father's Day, and um, often fathers are uh, overlooked. And uh, in fact, I will I will prove it. You know, Father's Day was actually established formally in 1972. That was 60 years after we established Mother's Day. Uh-huh. I just thought, no, we, can't, we don't really ignore fathers that much, do we? I went back and looked. In the time that I've been here, I preached 19 Mother's Day messages. I preached seven on Father's Day, total seven of Father's Day messages. And I got to thinking about it. I thought, you know, we kind of do take a back seat sometimes because we just don't make Father's Day that big of a deal. Um, so as I got to thinking about it, I started thinking about. You know, the Bible and fathers, and there's, there, there, there are some that are mentioned, but I started trying to think of it from a perspective of, you know, uh, who is like the best Bible father? I mean, if you're going to pick a Bible father, who's it going to be? If you're going to pick a model to be, say, that's who I want to pattern my life after as a dad, who would you pick? And then I got to thinking about it. That was the decision God was faced with. When God decided that I'm going to come to the earth and I'm going to wrap myself in human flesh and I'm going to live here, we all know who we picked for mom. Mary. And we all talk about Mary. We don't talk about Joseph. So here's the irony this morning. Our Heavenly Father looks on the entire planet and says, what earthly father do I want to submit myself to as a child? And he picks a guy by the name of Joseph. Now, the irony is we don't know a lot about Joseph, but we do know enough. So I went through and kind of pulled out some principles from the life of Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, that I think will help us. And you go, well, how, you know, it's like we just don't know a lot about Joseph. Well, that's the beauty of it. Really, really good fathers often are in the background. They're not the ones that you talk about. You know that. You know. You you, know, you don't give dad flowers on Father's Day. You know, but you know. You know. God forbid that you would miss Mother's Day. I mean, you know, if you just like blow over Mother's Day, I mean, you know, you're in the doghouse for years over stuff like that. Father's Day, eh, maybe, you know. Okay, Dad, we'll throw in a few burgers, you know. That, dads kind of do that background thing, and that's what you see in the life of Joseph. And I think there's a reason for that, um, because this is what you see. So I want to go through the, the what we do know and, and put some things together. So uh, here's the first thing. Uh, we're going to look at the story again. A lot of these are like Christmas message texts, but um, here, here's the passage. It says, now, Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacchaeus. Let me set the scenario here. Joseph and Mary are engaged. Now, in the Bible time, to be engaged was kind of like marriage. What the whole purpose for engagement was the idea of I want to make sure that, that, that the husband and the wife are morally pure. So we are going to, usually a period was at least nine months. You do the math. Or to a year. That was kind of commonplace. And the idea was we would be engaged, we would make sure that both of us are morally pure in order to be married. Engagement during the Bible times was very, very much like divorce today. You actually got a written decree of divorce because the idea that I was going to marry this person was incredibly binding. Um, It just didn't come with the, the the physical part of marriage. So what you have here is Joseph and Mary are engaged. And Mary finds out she's going to have a child from God. And notice, and this is, what, this is where we pick up the story. Now, Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to the city of Judah, entered into the house of Zacchaeus and greeted Elizabeth. Elizabeth is carrying John the Baptist, by the way. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, okay, now look, at, at this point, um, we just have two babies in a womb but there's knowledge that they know each other. Okay? So the whole abortion thing, I mean, you know, this is, a, this, is a, this is an interesting concept here. And it says, Then she spoke with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your loom. Why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She said, I don't understand why the mother of the Lord is coming to see me. <clears throat> for indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe left my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Now, you say, okay, what does this tell us about Joseph? Here, here's the idea. They're engaged, right? His fiance leaves for no expected reason. And for those of you who know the other text in the Bible, anybody knows how long she stays with, with Elizabeth? Three months. Okay, so now think about this. Your fiancé takes off without telling you why for three months. What do you do? What does Joseph do? Does. Do. Does. What does he do? He waits. Patiently. Now, I don't know many fiancés that would say, you can cut out away from me for three months with no reason given, and I'll be okay with that. But he does. It gives me some insight to this guy who is patient and understanding even in unusual, bizarre circumstances. And then notice what happens. Uh, Go to Matthew. Here's the the text in Matthew. Notice what it talks about. Um, Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So follow this. She comes back at the end of three months, and she's pregnant. Now, The whole purpose of engagement was to make sure you were morally pure. And if she comes back pregnant, guess what the answer is? No. Now, at that point now, your reputation is on the line. Because your fiancé is now expecting. Now, everybody's going to think it's whose child? Yours. But you're morally pure. You know that. And you know this child is not yours. Now, in this culture, you had two choices. One choice was to make them a spectacle. Because they have violated their love and commitment to you. You are the innocent party. You can literally make this a big, ugly deal. And you can come out the hero. And everybody can know, you stayed morally pure, she cheated on you. Or... You can do it quietly and just say, you know what? Sorry it didn't work out for us. I'm going to go find somebody else who is morally pure, and good luck. And Joseph, that's the call he made. So we have a guy who is incredibly understanding and merciful. We have a guy who, given the opportunity to hurt her, or to go, you know what, I don't know what happened. I don't know why she doesn't love me. I don't know why. I'm just going to put her away privately. I'm going to move on with my life. She can go on with hers. He has made the decision already to put her away quietly. And notice what it says. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to marry your wife. For that which you conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will save people from their sins. Uh, going on to the next one. So all this was done that might be fulfilled, which was spoken through the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being translated as God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel the Lord commanded, took to him his wife, and did not know her until they brought forth their firstborn son, and they called his name Jesus. Now, Joseph's whole world is turned upside down. Joseph has a choice. Do I follow God? Because my plans have been turned upside down now. Now, all of a sudden, everything changes for me. Now, all of a sudden, I've got this woman who I'm going to be married to, and everybody's going to think this is my child. My reputation is shot. Nobody's going to believe the story. But, and here's what you learn about him, he decides to follow God. In fact, one of the things that you see about Joseph that's unique is Joseph continually follows God over and over and over again. He takes Jesus to the temple for a dedication. You find them at Passover, which which every Jewish dad would take the the children to Passover. He takes them to Passover. The males make that journey all the way down. He does that religiously. You see Jesus there. Um, You see a guy who followed God with his whole heart. What's interesting is, not only do you see that, but later he and Mary have other children. We know of at least four sons. We know of daughters. Um, Two of the sons you know of, one of them is named James, and one of them is named Jude. Two of the major players in early church not only were they brothers of Jesus, but they were sons of Joseph. So it tells me that somehow Joseph was able to have this godly influence in his home, even to the point that his kids greatly respected it. And the last thing that you, you see about him is he's incredible, incredibly, he, he's a hard worker. We know that he was a carpenter. Okay? Now, let me give you a little background. When you and I think carpenter, we think, woodworker, okay? Maybe. Not probably. Um, the word is actually a word called tecton. Um, it can mean a stonemason or, or a woodworker. Um, in fact, we get our word, um, there, there's a word called arch-tecton, um, which was a master person who worked with stone or wood. We get our word architect from it. Um, the idea here behind it is this idea that Joseph, was most probably a stonemason. Most of the buildings at this time were built with stone, not with wood. Um, there was a major building project that was going to happen around this time, right outside of Nazareth, um, that very likely, um, there's some data that suggests that, that Joseph would have been involved in it, maybe even Jesus. But here's what's interesting. You find that kind you just think about, any of you who know somebody who works as a stonemason or works with cement, you know that's a tough world. And that's a tough world in Israel with the heat. This idea of a wimpy Jesus, because you remember, what happens? They come to Jesus and they go, wait a minute, why are we following this guy? Is not this the carpenter's son? They knew him as a worker of carpentry, tecton, stone, wood, whatever it was, which I think opens a whole new... Uh, Area for us to think about when it comes to Jesus. Um, Can you imagine? God creates the world. Uh, I'm going to blow your mind. God creates the world, and then He comes to the world, and He takes stones that He made and creates them for a building. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? And He does business, and He transacts Himself, and He works, and, and what Joseph teaches him, and I think this is a principle, what Joseph teaches him is an incredible level of hard work. Because let me tell you something. If you were a stonemason, you were a hard worker. That is not an easy lifestyle. And so Jesus grew up doing that. We know, we believe that in the life of Jesus, that Joseph dies somewhere between the time Jesus is, is 12 and the time he's 30. Because at the cross, he passes off the responsibility to Mary. Um, to John. So he passes that on, which means that normally that would have been Joseph's responsibility. But Jesus, as the firstborn, it would have been his responsibility, and then he passes it on. So we don't know a lot about him other than those things, but I think those things are incredibly insightful for us. That when God looks from heaven and he goes, okay, I got to find an earthly father. And by the way, dads, you think your job's tough? how would you like to be the earthly father of God? Because you know what? This is a kid who's always right. Not a kid who thinks he's right, a kid who is right. I mean, what an incredible job. And when God from heaven looks down on all the earth, he picks this guy. He doesn't pick him for his money. He doesn't pick pick a priest, which I think is fascinating. He he picks an average, blue-collar, work-with-his-hands guy who loves God, but yet is tender-hearted, is patient, is merciful, is understanding, Those are the things that the Scripture highlights about Joseph. And I think that's some fascinating lessons for us today. For those of you who are dads, I think that's a fascinating concept, is for us to be the kind of dads that those are the things that our kids see modeled. I'm convinced one of the greatest gifts you can... Well, first of all, let me just back it up for a minute. I think one of the greatest gifts that you can give your kids' dads... Is a dad who is in crazy in love with his wife. Honestly, I don't think you can give your kids a better, better model than that. Okay? Um, You know, and believe me, I use that to my advantage. Because when my kids, they didn't do it often, but they're kids, so they did once in a while. When they would smart talk their mom, I would step in and say, No one talks to my wife that way. I didn't say you don't talk to your mom like that. No, 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 no. You've taken it to another level. That's my wife. You don't talk to her that way. Apologize now. Um, Because that's my wife. I think that's one of the greatest things you can give your kids, is to know that, that their dad loves their mom like crazy. I think another thing you can give your kids is what Joseph does for Jesus here you see the value of hard work. You see a guy who's not afraid to work hard. And those of you who are in business, you know this. The work ethic that we see in a lot of places today is really, really getting sad. Because people are afraid of hard work. Um, and, And I think if you can teach your kids to be a hard worker, you will give them they will be so far above most kids that they're competing against that uh, they will always have a job because they'll be known as a hard worker. I think you see this idea of compassion and mercy and kindness and tenderness and understanding. You know, most of us guys, let's be honest, most of us, we have short fuses. Probably not the best thing. I think it's interesting. This text says that as Joseph was thinking about it, Joseph didn't act or react. Joseph thought about it and said, I wonder what I should do here. And as he was giving it time before he made a decision, God was able to get a hold of his heart and say, This is what I think, this is what you need to do. This is okay, Joseph. And Joseph was willing to push aside his agenda and his plans and everything for his life and say, okay, I'm going to follow God. This is the plan God has for me. Not what I thought, not what I had, but you know what? I'm going to follow God's plan for me. And you see a guy who passionately follows God. And you see that, in this case, reflected even down to his kids. Because James becomes one of the leaders of the early Christian church. Um, Jude, and again, you want the greatest... The greatest argument for me that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, you want to know what it was? His brothers followed him. Because if there is anybody that knows your flaws, it is your sibling. And when your sibling is willing to look at you and go, yes, I believe you're the Son of God, I will give my life for you, let me tell you something, then it's, it's got to be pretty real. It's got to be pretty real. And these guys were willing to do that because, again, I think they had it modeled in the life of Joseph. And I, I end up with this. First, first, first Timothy says this. Um, it says, if any provide not for his own, talking about fathers, talking about dads, talking about men, he is worse than an infidel. Basically an unbeliever is what the text says. A lot of times when we talk about that and we talk about dads as a provider, um, we think of it in terms of money. Many of you were brought up in worlds where the man was the provider and he was to provide money for the family. I get that. I'm not opposed to that. I, I, I have a very hard time with guys who won't take care of their family financially. I have a very hard time with that. But one of the things that I think you have to understand is is providing for your family goes far beyond money. You're providing for your kids, and we're all providing for people behind us a legacy. In my job, one of the things that happens is when I do a funeral, I gather a family together, I have a whole series of questions I go through, and... One of the things I'm trying to do is put together a eulogy that I can share at the end of the service, at the end uh, during the funeral time. So I have like five minutes to sum up their entire life and And, and I take that responsibility really seriously because you know a lot of times that that, that that can be a very, very helpful time to the family. And so I have this series of questions, and I've done this now for 20 some odd years of doing this. and there are times that when I'm done with that I go back to my office and I put together, and, and I've got so much material. I've got so much stuff. I've got to cut out a lot of good stuff. But one of the saddest things for me is when I go back to my office and I sit there and I go, what in the world am I going to say? Because I've met with a family and their entire life comes down to things like they love this brand of tractor and their dog. I think you've had this incredible life of all these years, and and, and that's the sum of it? That's what it's come down to? When I ask your kids about you, they really got nothing? What a wasted life. And it's challenged me when I go back home to go, you know what? Maybe it's their story, not going to be my story. And I'm not talking about necessary people here, because I do funerals for people outside of here too. So, you know, don't go, oh, you know, well, is you talking about my dad or my... No, no, no. But what I'm saying is, you struggle. And I want to challenge you, because providing for your family, is there a financial part of that? Yes. But when Jesus, and when the Bible talks about Joseph... It doesn't anything about his financial resources. It does talk about his character, understanding, merciful, kind, patient. It does talk about a guy who loved God. It does talk about a guy who's a hard worker. Those are not financial things, but those are ways that Joseph provides for Jesus. And I just want to challenge you. And you go, well, I'm not a dad. We talked about this in Sunday school. I don't want to tick you off, but I'm going to. Look, this is a body. And we all have a part. And you may not have physical children here. But you have a role to be a dad, to be an uncle, to be a grandpa, to all of these little kids that were sitting up here this morning. Every one of us has that opportunity and privilege. I am a recipient of that. Because I have kids who have grown up with lots of aunts and uncles and grandparents here. And, you know, I kind of feel bad for my mom sometimes because she's going to come up here and it's going to be, you know, and we have to be careful because it's like, you know, okay, this is grandma so-and-so and and this is grandpa so-and-so and and this is uncle so-and-so and and this is because that's how my kids see them and have seen them for all these years, and my mom's going to be like, well, what about us? You know, and it's like, well, yeah, you're there, but you're not here every week. They are. And I'm the recipient of kids who have watched a whole group of people surround them just like a family and help them as we raise them. (laughs) I know. I give up. Um, I have a granddaughter who wants to get on the platform, so... She's learning to cross, she'll get there. Uh, But anyway, I have a lot of people who are being grandparents to my granddaughter. We're all in this together. And you may not physically be a father, but that even Paul. Paul says to Timothy, you know, I mentored you like a father. My dad's been gone for five years now. But I have a lot of people who have stepped into his shoes to help mentor me and to help continue be kind of like a dad to me. And I want to encourage you this morning, okay, leave a legacy behind. Leave a legacy behind. And that's not about money. It's not about money. And those of us who are dads are no longer here, we would tell you, if we had a choice between having our dad here or his money, we take her dad. It's not, about, it's not about that. It's about much more than that. So I end with this. While the choice of Mary to be the mother of Jesus was important, the role of Jesus as the earthly father of Jesus was just as significant. Joseph's life reminds us that God desires us to be hardworking, compassionate, merciful, godly, patient, and understanding. And that applies to all of us. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for the day. Guide, direct, help us. Use us. Lord, so often we, as dads, kind of get pushed into the background, and that's okay. But, Lord, help us to be the kind of people that you desire for us to be. Lord, we've all got areas of this that we can work on. And none of us have arrived, so it applies to all of us. Just help us, Lord so that we can leave behind a legacy that far outlasts um, our time here. And we'll give you the honor and the glory and the praise. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's stand together.